guys, Dan Bennett Reed, chapter 26 of the Shakespeare Spy, so here I go. If I had a dell of sense, I would have run and fetched the sharers. What prevented me was the thought that I had not left the key in the lock. The man could have gotten into the room. If I handled this myself, perhaps no one, no one need know of my blunder. I was not foolish enough to try to subdue Hensworth. He was roughly twice my size. I could do better than trust to trust my wits. I took a deep breath, stood, and flung open the door. Hensworth spun around about with a quickness surprising in such a blunky white. In one hand, he clutched the script of Sir John's. I wouldn't take that if I were you. I said, despite my efforts I, to keep my voice calm and confident, it cracked a little. Henswolf looked me up and down as though sensing how much of a threat I might pose. He seemed to conclude that it was very little. And why is that? Because, because... That's the old script, the one, all Papist propaganda. The new version is locked in the trunk, the property room. Scowling, he glanced at the script and back at me. No, it can't be. But it was clear that if my lie had not convinced him, it had at least given him a pause. With a look that warned me to keep my distance, he turned and held the script in the light. You're lying. This is not Johnson's hand. Someone has copied it. You would bother to copy out the script they couldn't use. He snuffed the papers into his wallet and headed to for the door. I blocked his way with my body. I won't let you, I managed to say before his fist knocked all the breath out of me. I doubled over and fell to my knees. Henswolf shoved me out of the doorway and was gone. Gasping, I struggled to my feet and stumbled after him. When I reached the top of the stairs, I halted, taken aback by the scene below me. Henswolf lay sprawled upon the stairs with the point of Mr. Armin's rapier at his throat. Mr. Shakespeare was bent over Henswolf, digging through the man's wallet. Mr. Armin glanced up at me. We've caught the culprit. Are you all right? Aye, I groaned, more or less. I slowly descended the stairs, holding the railing with one hand and my aching gut with the other. Shall I fetch the constable? No, said Mr. Shakespeare, as we may as well as let him go. We have what we want. In the one hand, we brandished and pulling pages, in the other, the key to the office. Mr. Armin lowered his blade, and Hanswolf got to his feet, straightening his doublet. It's I who should call the constables, he growled. I was only talking that already belonged to me. Well, you may as well bring on the catchpoles, said Mr. Armin. Heaven knows you've tried everything else to shut us down. To my surprise, he was very little rancor in either man's voice. In truth, 
They sound less like enemies than like members of opposing teams engaged as some rough and tumble sport, a sort of grown-up version of King of the Hill, that would decide once and for all which was the primator theater company in London. I've no idea what you mean, replied Henswold. Why, Henswold? said Mr. Armin. I do believe you've missed your calling. You feign innocence and indignation so well, you should have been a player. And you two should have been thieves, Henswold scowled at his empty wallet, then at a bundle of pages that Mr. Shakespeare's hand. You have a paper that that's not the part of the script. I'll have it back. Mr. Shakespeare held up a sheet that had been folded several times. This, is this what you mean? Yes, as well reached for it. Mr. Shakespeare drew it back. No, I believe we'll keep this for now. If you want it so badly, there must be some reason. Hemswolf glared at him a moment, then shrugged. Well, it turned to me. How can you bear to be part of this band of thieves? As at least they don't go about wobbling folk in the gut, I said. Henswolf gave a short, a short laugh. I like your spirit, lad. If you ever decide you'd prefer to work for a reputable company, come and see me. Pushing roughly past the shares, he walked off into the night. I tried my best to stop him, I said. Well, it looks as though you stopped his fist, at least, said Mr. Armin. Come, let's lock up and go home. You've done enough work for one day. As we climbed the stairs, Mr. Shakespeare said, What I wonder is, how did Hemswolf come by this key? Um, I can answer that, I said reluctantly. I left it with the lock this morning, I wish. Though... Mr. Shakespeare did not look happy. He did not chide me. Well, there's no harm done, I suppose, except perhaps to your stomach, assuming that the play is all here, that is. He held the crumpled pages up the light and examined it. I peered over his shoulder. That looks like all of it. He unfolded the sheet that Henswolf had said was not the part of the script. Well, he was right. I can't begin to read this, Mr. Shakespeare handed the paper to me. It was smaller than the script pages and contained neither Mr. Johnson's handwriting nor mine, but several rows of curious symbols that might have been some foreign alphabet. It's some of your scribble hand, is it not? said Mr. Norman. I shook my head empathetically. Nay, a few of the characters are similar to ones I use, and a couple of them look like numerals, but most I've never set eyes on before. It's obviously a message of some sort, though. Obviously. The question is, from whom? Mr. Shakespeare was looking at me in an old-fashioned, 
Not unlike the way Hensworth had looked when I told him I had the wrong script. He took the paper from me, refolded it, and tucked it into his wallet. I have no doubt, he said. That is from our spy. Mr. Armin looked thoughtful. You know, perhaps we should give Hensworth a dose on his own poison. Hire someone in his company to be our informant. Do you have anyone in mind? Asked Mr. Shakespeare. No, admitted Mr. Armin. I'm sure Henswolf has convinced that we all are Satan's miners. He held up a hand. Ah, I have it. One of us clearly disguised himself and convinced the admiral's men to hire him. Mr. Shakespeare laughed. That's the worst idea I've ever heard. Oh, I don't know, said Mr. Armin. I always, it always seems to work in your place. Neither of the men had paid Mr. Pope to visit for a time, and they decided to make up for it now. In fact, as Mr. Armin revealed, it was the very reason they happened to meet Tentwolf on the stairs. They had been on their way to fetch me and accompany me home. Mr. Pope greeted them with such enthusiasm that I feared his health might suffer. This calls for a round of brandy. I'll fetch it, I said, not wishing him to overtax himself. Thanks, you witch. Mr. Armin held up his admonishing hand. Tut tut, Thomas, you must address the boy properly. From now on, it's to be William Retzoff, Esquire. Mr. Pope gave me a baffled look. Retzoff? Hi. I was my father after all, it seems. How long have you known? A few days is all. Why do you not tell me sooner? I, I don't can. I suppose I was waiting for the right moment. I'm sorry, witch, said Mr. Armin. I assumed he knew. You called me witch, I said. I'm sorry, Ann. Uh, William, then. <laughs> Nay, I'll not be William either. That will was not more a real name than a witch was, only sort of expendant. If I'm to have another name, I'll choose it myself. I turned and left the library. I had gotten, I had nearly forgotten about Levison's predictions, but one of them came back to me now. You will make a name for yourself. When I returned with the brandy, the three sharers were huddled together like conspirators, talking in low tones. Thank you, Mr. Prokop. Well, whoever you you may be, why don't you find Golly Williamson and ask her for something to eat? The three of us have business matters to discuss. The manner in which she dismissed me seemed brusque and impersonal, not like Mr. Pope at all. I suppose that he was cross with me for not telling him about Jamie Redsaw. I felt almost as though I had been cast out like Timon. But instead of retreating the woods, I went only as far as the kitchen where, as I had no roots at hand, I cut a slice of bread and and buttered it, then sat nibbling half-heartedly at it while I moaned over what my name 
said he. I could not work on the sides of Sejanus for the next morning. Mr. Shakespeare had kept both the script and the key to his office as though he no longer trusted me with them. Instead, he and I he and I helped Sam in the property. As there had been no performance the night before, there was little for us to do. Nevertheless, in the time-honored tradition of the apprentices everywhere, we managed to make it look as though we were hard at work. It's a pity Selpelvi isn't here, said Sam. He's so good at pretending to be busy. He could give us a few pointers. Have you looked in on him? Sam reacted as though I'd asked whether he had looked in on the inmates of Bel- Bedlam or Aislam or the insane. Don't you know what a grip may be passed on like a plague? That may be, but it's not quite likely to kill you. I prefer not to have a chance. Besides, he'll only tell us how he never had a grip back on the flyers. Blackfriars, friars. The apprenticed and hired men gathered for rehearsal, just as though we had every expectation of performing against him. We were attempting to revive Mr. Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing, which had lain buried in the bookkeeper's trunk for at least a year. It was not responding. As we were making much ado ourselves about how should read Hero's part in Salpelvi's absence, Mr. Shakespeare and Mr. Armin appeared and asked to speak with me privately. Can't it wait? asked Mr. Lowen, who was conducting the rehearsal. I'm afraid not, said Mr. Armin. They took me aside and scarcely added the earshot of the other players. Mr. Ar- Shakespeare drew two sheets of paper from his wallet and held them up side by side. This is the coded message we took from Hensel. This is a page from All's Well, written in your character. We compared them and find a number of similarities, too many in our opinion, to be a result of con- coincidence. I stared at him incredulously. What are you saying? That I wrote this? That I'm in league with 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 Hensel? Soft, said Mr. Armin, unless you wish the, to the others to hear. Let them. I've nothing to hide. We believe you do. Do you? Could you? How could Hanswolf have gotten the key unless you gave it to him? It, it's as I told. I left it in the lock. Deportedly, perhaps. Nay. What? would I have to gain from Hensel stealing the script? Money, suggested Mr. Shakespeare. Money? I fairly headed. For what? For Julia, perhaps. You said yourself that you didn't think we could help her. The rest of the company had given up any pretense of minding your own business and were gasping at the scene unfolding before them which must have been as compelling as any play after you ever acted. Tears sprung to my eyes 
and I made no effort to stay them. I would never do such a thing. So help, so help me God, and ha- hail them. My voice broke like thin ice. Not even to save Julia," said Mr. Shakespeare. I could not deny that idea had occurred to me, though I had not acted upon it. I would sh- hardly blame them for relieving that I had, especially in the view of my past record as a thief ha- and a liar, and of course the even worse record of my father. Still, I was innocent, and I must not tell myself appear otherwise. With all the dignity I could muster, I looked at Mr. Shakespeare in the eye and said, "And you and the other sharers truly believe that." If I would betray you, and I could no longer consider myself a part of this company. Under the circumstances, said Mr. Shakespeare, I think that would be best. But you needn't give up acting altogether. Remember, Henswolf has prom- Henswolf has prom- promised you promised to take you in. So that was chapter twenty-six. Bye, guys. See you later. See you later. See you later. See ya. See ya later. Bye, guys.